Morning, everybody. Happy hump day. Welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by my fellow Mirror columnist and associate editor, Kevin Maguire. Morning, Kevin. Morning, Foxy. Now, this is the People's Paper Review, so get into the comments. Ask us your questions about whatever issue is burning a hole in the back of your head, and we will do our best to answer them for you. Those of you listening later on podcast will just have to open a window and swear at the postman. So what have we got today? Well, the mirror has splashed on the fact that BP has posted a £5 billion profit in its biggest quarterly boost for a decade. And on the very same day, the Prime Minister went to morning television to tell a 77-year-old who has to ride the buses all day to keep warm that he gave her the bus pass, which, of course, he didn't. And Kevin, the really killer fact here uh, is in the little box on the first page of this spread, before April, the average energy bill was just under £700, which is about the same amount BP makes every second. And since April, it's gone up to £1,971, which is about what BP makes every two and a half seconds. Yeah. So despite all this, and despite the fact that even Tory voters want one, the government is still refusing to levy a windfall tax, aren't they? Why? Why won't they just do it? Yeah, Foxy, that, that increase in energy bills is absolutely scorching and really burning people uh, in the cost of living crisis. And, of course, it could go up higher in October when the cap will be reviewed. And the government's refusal, and Boris Johnson just saying, no, he won't do it, to levy that windfall tax, it's picking a side, it's ideological. And he, for whatever reason, they are defending and promoting the North Sea energy producers who are just getting skyrocketing profits, not because they've invested anything extra, not because they're doing anything different. It's because world prices have gone up in part because of Ukraine, but they were going, going up before that. And they pick the side. And politics is all about whose side you're on. And they've gone with the corporates rather than with the consumers. I think it's a big political mistake when the Liberal Democrats first, then Labour, back the windfall tax. Now, of course, it's a one-off tax. It, it wouldn't be permanent, and it's on those excess profits. Margaret Thatcher introduced a windfall tax. It's only a billion pounds. If yeah. you make five billion, then yeah. one billion, you're like, fine, mate, have it. I've still got four. Yeah, it's loose, it's loose change for them. It'll, it'll mean a lot for consumers, although it won't mean your bill will go back to where it uh, it was. And in fact, in part of Labour's armoury, suspending VAT would, would probably have a longer-term uh, impact. But it's just it's just kind of crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I, th I think the, the, the Prime Minister, the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, who opposes a windfall tax, or he was badgered by Mumsnet into saying, well, I might bring in one if they didn't invest in Britain. He doesn't want to do it. Quasi Quartan, the Business Secretary, a real Thatcherite on economics, he's, he's opposed. I think they're on the wrong side of public opinion here. And, of course, they would, would argue, the Prime Minister and his cronies, that you bring in a windfall tax it'll cut investment no it won't and in fact that was blown out of the water by the boss of bp yeah exactly now samantha says it's not burning us at all it's bloody freezing us now yeah. seeing as someone just suggested there it's uh it's star wars day today it's may the fourth be with you everybody let's uh, suggest that in the, the tories might be saying these are not the profits you are looking for it's something else entirely um but of course rishi as you said told Mumsnet that he was thinking about it because he got badgered but then yeah. boris ruled it out completely which probably means it's nailed on in october it'll definitely be happening when prices rise again but by that point of course if that's when the tories do decide to start 
doing something more, a lot of people will have suffered for a very long time and it might make very little difference to them. I hope Elsie's still with us, but there may be other people who don't even survive to the point where anything they can do in October actually kicks in and helps them once the weather starts getting cold. And like you said, Kevin, the, the argument is from the government that if they if they tax the companies, there'll be no new investment in energy infrastructure and we'll be stuck on oil and gas forever. We'll never be able to rely on solar and wind and nuclear and all the other things. Yeah. Says, when is the government going to release the funding so the country will be supplied with free warm buses? <sighs> yeah, we could all have a bus pass. Maybe I don't know if that's cheaper than a windfall tax or not, but maybe that's a solution. Maybe Elsie's cracked it for us. Um, but if I can remember people in blue rosettes, Kevin, saying that there would never be any infrastructure investment if we don't let companies keep their profits. And I can remember people in blue rosettes saying that about the water companies, the rail. Yep the gas companies and what's happened they keep their profits and there's no real investment but like you said bernard looney yesterday the boss of bp i think he was asked i think by journalists said what infrastructure projects would be cancelled if you had a windfall tax and he said none none yeah. whatsoever so can the government position hold are they they're going to have to crumble aren't they yeah yeah Logic and uh, possibly political electoral arithmetic would suggest so, but the national insurance increase in April last month didn't make any sense politically or economically at this stage, and yet they went ahead with it. So if you look at, you're looking at things with a common sense approach, it isn't always the case, although they have at the same time been lots of U-turns on, on policies. But uh, Governments, governing parties, particularly when they've been in power a long time, and you know, this lot have won four elections. They've been elections have been there four years. They can lose touch, and it can all happen very, very quickly. And you, you watched yesterday with Boris Johnson coming out against uh, a windfall tax, which they claim would cut investment. BP, the investor, says no, it wouldn't. And then sort of no sympathy or empathy really with Elsie, who you mentioned, you know, the seventy-seven-year-old pension who is going on a London bus uh, for most of the day to keep warm so he doesn't have to turn the heating on uh, at home. Maybe they can put down on the side of buses, you know, hop on and keep warm. Exactly. Your automobile crisis. Maybe that's the next Tory election pledge, you know. Get on a bus. That's past everyone. You know, you, you saw that everyone who watched doors has read that Good Morning Britain interview with Susanna Reid. I thought gave a masterclass in interviewing that Boris Johnson, he, he really claimed he introduced the bus pass she was using if he wanted some gratitude for that. Well, he didn't. <laughs> it, was, it was another deceit by the Prime Minister. In fact, he's, uh, he's reduced the time Elsie can uh, use it because, uh, of course, his government forced the Mayor of London to say people like Elsie can't use her bus, Monday to, uh, bus pass Monday to Friday before 9am now, so she'll be a bit colder. But it, it, it kind of, you just saw a Prime Minister running out of road. Yeah, it's getting yeah. to that point, isn't it? And I, I'm getting very much the sense of sort of, um, I'm not going to try and say the, the French version, but end of regime, you know, yeah. sort of at the end of the major years, at the end of the Blair and Brown years as well, this sense of a government that's just been in power too long, a party, and mm. it's lost touch, like you said. Now, Laura says, how long do we have until the next general election? More than two and a half years, Laura. We're not even at the halfway point yet. Buckle up. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's May twenty four. May twenty four is the last date you can you can have it. Uh, so it's it's then. Yeah, so some time to go. But the Tories are pretty good at uh, hanging on to power. Uh, they've ruled most of the last three centuries, and they 
you know, they can get rid of leaders much much more ruthlessly than than Labour ever can. They can say, look, we've got somebody else. You, you want to change? We got change, and they can disown everything they were backing in the cabinet mm, <laughs> on TV yeah. and radio and telling the papers they supported and offer new policies. But you feel there's almost a tipping point now for Johnson, yeah. and that that interview just showed he he doesn't get it, and yeah. no one's laughing anymore when he makes little quips. Uh, they're kind of laughing at him in a in a rather harsh way. He's not really making many of his quips either. They seem to have stopped a bit. Um, yeah. I keep asking us your questions, everybody. What do you think about the windfall tax? What do you think about the cost of living? How is it affecting you? What do you think the government should do, if anything? And Tracy says, would a windfall tax put money in the average person's pocket or just go to the government? Uh, the Labour plan at the moment is for a 10% extra tax for one year on the energy giants. That would raise, they reckon, about £1.2 billion. And they say that would give up to £600 off your average energy bill. So it, would, it wouldn't it would be cash for you to spend, but it would be money off your energy bill. So you wouldn't have to, to spend as much, put it that way. And, and as far as some of the other parties, Kevin, it's uh, it's roughly the same, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think that's six hundred million is is Labour's overall package, including uh, the, the VAT suspension, because the, that windfall tax would have to be shared if it was just across the board. Twenty eight million households I, I saw in the country, so it, it would it, it wouldn't be a massive amount, but it would be something, and it, it just comes down to whose side uh, whose side you are are on. And you're right, the the, Lib the Liberal Democrats, the SNP, Plaid, the Greens are all looking for help families much more than the government is now some people will, will rather cynically say well that's you're in, in opposition you can say what you like you don't have to implement it but a good government a good governing party would nick the better ideas and mm. would Im implement them themselves uh yeah that's that's smart politics but for some reason they're just digging in on this windfall tax which i think will come to just symbolize a, a, gr a greater distance between them and the general public than the electorate than the voters and just not getting how much people are are feeling uh, the squeezing what is the biggest cost of living crisis since the the 1950s and that's yeah. 70 years ago almost. I can see them thinking that we should leave this until October and, and announce it when people are really desperate and they really want it and then they'll be really grateful. And I think by that point, actually, it will look like they're just doing what they're told to do by Keir Starmer, number one. And yeah. number two, it will be too late because you've already had a, a summer where even if you haven't had the heating on, you've had to pay the energy bill to keep your water, your water on, keep yeah. your water hot, um, and to cook your food and so on. So it's still going to have affected a lot. The pain will have been felt. You've already wounded everybody. They're not going to be grateful by the yeah, time. Yeah, it's kind of manana um politics, always putting it off and then hoping for gratitude when you do something. But if you've emptied people's uh, wage packets and uh, their wallets and purses and bank accounts in, in the meantime, they're not going to give you uh, untold uh, gratitude. They're not going to put out the bunting and uh, and. and cheer to the rafters they're going to be thinking why did you hurt me for so long mm, you're, just, yeah. you're just bored of it now you're worried to save your own political skin it's not about me so yeah. i think it's a it's a dangerous high risk strategy by johnson and the conservative party yeah and it's it's economic game theory that and mm. they should know that's what led to the brexit vote it's people yeah. who've been hurt yeah. Uh, by what they perceived as, as European Union and, and the, the status quo, and they wanted to change it. And yeah. you think if anyone understood that, it would be this government. Yeah. It's the same yeah. thing. 
Mate, you're, you're right, Foxy. I think I think there were two big drivers of, of Brexit. One was uh, an anti-immigration uh, fe- uh, feeling, sadly, and the other was austerity, right. where people are being kicked around by David Cameron and George Osborne, and all of a sudden they had a bit of uh, bit of power. I think they made the uh, the, the wrong mistake. We, we yeah, probably- so I think the same calculation will be going on when it comes to the next election as well. Now, Andrew yeah. says, let's see what happens in the local elections, which of course are tomorrow. Hopefully, people will vote with their pockets. They do say, don't they, Kevin, that a lot of local elections are fought on national grounds. Um, the Tories are expecting a bit of a beating because it's midterm. Uh, Labour did very well in 2018 with some of these seats. So they're not expecting to do brilliantly better because yeah. they can't really quite. They've already done quite well in mm. these seats. Um, so are we? do you think we're on track actually for a bit of a meh? kind of local election or is it going to be some kind of massive bloody nose for someone yeah um, I, I predict every party will will claim a huge success uh labor and the liberal democrats uh, nationally will claim they did better than uh, they expected and the tories will say they did better than they expected to and didn't lose as many seats that's what they'll do they're all in expectation expectation um, management yeah and, and as mike <laughs> says yeah. Mike says here, are the predictions of Tories losing more than 500 seats tomorrow expectation management? So if yeah. they only lose 250, Johnson can claim it's not as bad as the doom mongers yeah. expected. We've done very well for a midterm, really, blah, blah. I'm yeah. not as unpopular as everyone thought I was. I'm only quite unpopular. Yeah, that's definitely the case. He, he, you know, he, he hit the nail on the head there. That's what it's all about. They're unreliable guides to general elections in, in truth. We always look for something, uh, you know, Will, William Hague and Ian Duncan Smith, uh, when they were Tory leaders at times when they did well in local elections, and neither got, uh, you know, within sniffing distance of uh, of Downing Street. But at the same time, it's real people going out in and voting. The turnout is probably going to be less less than half what you would get in a general election so that adds to the the, the mix and why you can't really use them as a as a, as a map to where you're going but no, no it's, it's it's indicative and sometimes you can get uh, mps being very worried if they're losing council seats in their areas because it means opposition parties can begin badgering away knocking on doors getting a higher higher profile and you might get change you know years down down the line but yeah they will all be pleased in some way. <laughs> Apart from Kevin. Labour's got more candidates than the Tories, but the Tories have more councillors than Labour at the moment. Lib Dems seem to have detoxified themselves in the blue wall seats. So it'll, it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll give us something to talk about and look at. But well, interesting. It's not no, 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 the what the dad was saying about um, Lib Lab Pact in the shires and yeah. not putting up enough people in the seats. I have. Postal vote, right? And I have so I have my vote. I saw my ballot paper uh, a week or two ago. And I live in a very Tory area, in a rural area. So you would expect Labour to not bother and the Lib Dems to pitch up, right? Because the, the Lib Dems do occasionally win elections around here and, and get council seats and so on. But no, Kevin, the Lib Dems have quit. They're not even on the ballot paper. The only choice was Tory, red or green. Mm. That's it. So if you if you are a Tory voter and you want to protest against Boris, you've either got to vote for the communists or the hippies. Yeah. And if you're, a, if you're a Lib Dem voter or a, or a Labour voter, you're quite happy. But you kind of think, is Labour ever going to get anywhere around here? It's not going yeah. to happen. So yeah. Why are the Lib Dems quitting at the terms of a Lib Lab pact? I think absolute tripe. Yeah. 
And I, I'm one of the I'm one of the large part of the country that's voted tax uh, in in elections. You're not going to get what you really want, and you know, try and vote for something that isn't. It'll stop getting what you don't really want. There are localized packs. I know, for instance, uh, Plaid Cymru and the Green Party have one in Cardiff. You get you get localized packs like that, but. There's no formal pact or even unofficial pact between Labour and the Lib Dems uh, in these council elections. But what I, what really made me laugh, Foxy, is, is Dowden's claiming there is with no evidence. He's, he's looking at seat numbers, but Labour's competing in more seats than the Conservatives. So if, yeah, La yeah. if Labour's in a pact with the Lib Dems, who are the Conservatives in a pact with? It's just you often, yeah, you often find it hard to get candidates. But doesn't Dowden, Dorsey Dowden, the Tory chair, doesn't he remember that his own party had a Brexit party pact in 2019 to damage Labour. Doesn't he remember that his own party had to rely on DUP votes from 2017 to 2019 in Parliament? Doesn't he remember his own party was in the Condem coalition with the Lib Dems and Nick Clegg for five years from 2010? Yeah. It's probably got more to do with the fact that the Labour and the Lib Dems haven't got that much money and therefore they can't contest every seat and they're going to go for the ones they've got the most F chance yeah. of winning. I mean, I, I personally think a national party should stand somebody in every seat in every election so you can collect the vote by understanding organisationally why that, that doesn't happen. You can, you can see why. I think by-elections are slightly different in terms of... I'm pretty sure when the Wakefield by-election happens, the Lib Dems will put up much of an effort. They'll have a candidate because they'll want Labour to win, they're most likely. And in the Tiverton and Honiton by-election, I don't think Labour will fight it that hard nationally because the Lib Dems, although they came third last time, uh, they're it probably best placed to overturn a huge Tory majority of 26,000, which is bigger than was overturned in North Shropshire or Cheshire and Amersham, those seats the Lib Dems gain. But yeah, there is an argument for a pact progressive alliance. I think there is. The South West does like voting for Lib Dems. Uh, and perhaps, you know, some of the Lib Dems sex scandals we've had in the past probably could do with a tractor or two. Who knows? Jean yeah. uh, says, What a lot of rubbish. It's a setup. I think she's talking about Elsie on her bus. The elderly wouldn't be on buses that time before 9 a.m. anyway. What a stupid setup. We're 80 year old pensioners, worked all our life as ambulance technicians and just cut your cloth till we get through this. Um, Jean, first, let's take these things one at a time. All heart. All heart there. No, um, if it was a setup, then everyone who knew that lady uh, and everyone who worked at um, GMB and everyone who had interviewed her and everyone who has seen her on the news recently and everyone who drives her on a bus, right, will be phoning up a newspaper right now going, it's a setup. I know she's an actress. Right. And they're not. Uh, and Ofcom's not being having it reported to them or anything else, because it is actually true. That is Elsie. And when the journalist goes around and sees her, they says, well, can I see your rent bill? Can I see your council tax bill? And they write down the figures. And that's how we do these things. So it's not a setup. That is her life. Um, and if you've been ambulance technicians, I assume you may well have an NHS pension as well as the state pension, uh, which means you may be doing better than Elsie to start with. Now, NHS pensions aren't brilliant. I know my mum's on one, but uh, it may be that you are able to cut your cloth and congratulations, well done for you. But some people and Elsie's living in rented accommodation. She's sort of stuck with what she's got in her situation. She's on a very basic state pension and that's it. She can't cut her cloth anymore. There's no cloth left. That's the point for her. Uh, now, Lulu says she's spending £1,200 on water, 3600 on electric, 2200 on gas, 720 on the phone, and only gets 665 pension a month. She's dead in the water. Thank you, Tories. <sighs> Crikey, Lulu, they sound like horrible figures. We, there is anecdotally some evidence 
that the companies that set your direct debits are just racking it up without refer reference to your meter, if you're on a meter. Um, so make sure that those are not estimates and those are based on your actual usage. Okay, that may bring your bills down a bit. We have seen that happen once, twice before somewhere else. Um, so the one thing I just want to say before we move on to the next story, Kevin, is that in that interview with Susanna Reid, now we've all had grandmothers, most of us, and most of us have liked them some way. But when someone's telling you about Elsie's problems, 77 years old, can't afford this, there'd be some emotion. You'd feel sorry. You'd go, well, that sounds awful for Elsie. And I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that, but I'm going to try to help her and do this, that and the other. And there was not a flicker of empathy. I mean, obviously he's, she's there to catch him out and he knows it's a bit of a game and he's trying to do the right thing but he says something stupid about bus passes and I could feel his spin doctor behind the camera going like this but there's no sense that he knows or has a connection to what Elsie is feeling or Lulu that we've just had it's it's just it's theoretical to him. It's not someone that he can identify with, is it? No. Well, remember, uh, Foxy, when he described two hundred and fifty thousand pounds a year he was getting from the Daily Telegraph as chicken feed. Like, this man of the people act of of his was always an act. He doesn't sympathise or empathise. He's just very calculating about himself, and I. I've never seen it so starkly exposed as it was yesterday in, in Downing Street. He, he doesn't get it. He's out of touch. And I think this is going to be his big weakness. And in a sense, we saw it during Partygate. Here you are imposing what were draconian COVID, uh, rules. I can understand why they weren't reduced. And then he felt he didn't have to follow them himself when other people couldn't go to funerals, say goodbye to dying loved ones and had all sorts of you know, changes to their life that were uncomfortable. And I think now on the cost of living crisis, he just, he just doesn't get it. He doesn't, he doesn't know any Elsies. He doesn't no, know no. who's. It's just, they're just people he wants to vote for him. And he used to be able to get them to do it with a little ruffle of his hair and a, no. and a, and a silly little quip. Well, that's half the Everyone in government, they've never, ever been £2.50 short at the till. Never. No. They've never think, had to put something back on the shelf. No. I could, you think about those in all the top uh, jobs, the Chancellor married to an heiress, Richard and the, the Queen, Quasi Quartung, went to a very expensive private school. You think of, you think of them all. They've probably never had to lie awake at, awake at night worrying about money. And I think you know those of us who have at some point in our lives, it, it never leave never leaves you, and it informs you for the rest of your life. In some ways, it scars you, but I think it also makes you more aware of of other people, even when you're comfortable yourself. Like you can see, people are doing less well and and often sometimes terribly badly, and you think you know, they they need they need help. Uh, you know, at least a, at the very least a helping hand and a you know and a sympathetic ear. And they're not getting, uh, not getting that from Boris not Johnson. Getting, there's no sympathy. I think he was raised without sympathy. That's probably part of the trouble. Mm. Now, keep asking your questions, everybody. What do you think about the cost of living crisis, windfall taxes, Boris Johnson's empathy levels, Elsie? Let us know. Get into the comments and ask us your questions. But now, first off, to some other dreadful news about the cost of living and people that we don't feel sorry enough for. And the royals are having an argument about which massive free house they get to live in. Now, they're playing a game of what can only really be called palace musical chairs, Kevin, right? It goes a yeah. bit like this. Now, yeah. Harry and Meghan were given 
Frogmore Cottage on the Windsor Estate, which is like a multi-home mansion on a royal estate with 24-hour security. They rebuilt it all at their own expense but then and then decided to live there. Oh, then decided they weren't going to live there, sorry, and they moved to a California mansion instead, and then they repaid the cost of having done up the house. Then Eugenie, Andrew's daughter, and Jack Brooksbank, her husband, moved in to this freshly renovated, empty mansion, and sometimes uh, Harry and Meghan come to stay. In fact, they've been once, but anyway, there they are in, the, in this nice new done-up house. Meanwhile, Kate and Wills have got bored of their massive Norfolk pile where they've spent the last few years. And they've got their eye on another property on the Windsor estate called Adelaide Cottage, which is closer to the Queen's house at Windsor Castle. But now Prince Andrew wants Adelaide Cottage for Eugenie in Frogmore Cottage, apparently on the grounds that she needs somewhere bigger to stay for when Harry doesn't visit. And it all boils down, it seems, to wanting to be as close as possible physically to the Queen. And being close to the Queen, somehow, like in chess, makes you more influential. I've got to ask, Kevin, why don't they just all move into the huge bloody castle they're living next door to then? Hey, you, I, could, I could see maybe why the Queen at 90, was she 96 now, doesn't want them. I, understand, I can understand that. But these, these royals are going to destroy themselves from the inside. They're doing more to damage the monarchy than Republicans like me or you could ever achieve. But there's this sense of entitlement, this privilege that they were just born to get all of these perks. And there's old sleazy Andrew, again, just trying to manoeuvre for his, his family. And it is, it's just... It's kind of really distasting. I mean, I, la I laugh at it, but it's, a, it's the laugh of scorn. Yeah, you've got to laugh at it because if, otherwise you just sit and weep. Yeah. That, uh, there are people who are paying £500 a month bedroom tax. Yeah. And here we've got a bunch of people who, who don't actually have really a job between them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Living on benefits in, in properties with multiple, multiple bedrooms that they never use for occasional visiting Californians. <laughs> they don't pay anything. They're what? Yeah. What? There are, there are more than one million families on social housing waiting lists waiting for a, a secure, sort of affordable home, uh, a roof over their heads. And yet these royals have all these houses and they're squabbling about who gets what. Yeah, I mean, it is really distasteful. It's disgusting. It's unacceptable. It's indefensible. You can't justify it. Uh, and you, know, you get an insight into them, well, uh, Platinum Jubilee, some people want to wave their union flags and say, God bless her. But look, this is, this is the system that's producing, uh, a hereditary monarchy is producing a, a family that, you know, if it was Benefit Street, it would be Welfare Benefits Street with footmen and servants and ladies in wait. And that's what it is. They're, they're just living high on the hog in a, a, an old system where they, they're descended from warlords and they've still got the spoils and they're, they're fighting each other over, over who gets what. I tried to think what would happen if there was an actual real war that these lot had to sort of lead us into because I'm not entirely sure they'd, they'd do particularly well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll have to sort of wait and see what happens to that one, won't we? But, but I think I saw something a little the other day about Prince William suggesting that some cottages on the royal estates be used to house the homeless but um, or some kind of charity 
uh, move with it. But obviously, he's suggesting this sort of many years down the road at some point. Yeah, we'll let the plebs in at some mm. point. But of course, if the royals weren't there, it'd just be sold to a Russian oligarch. But at least then we could freeze the assets and do something with them. Anyway, uh, there is no. Keep asking your questions, everybody. What do you think about the royal game of musical palaces? Do you think it matters? Do you think that uh, Kate and Will should have wherever they like? Do you think they should have as many mansions as they please? Does it matter to you? Or, you know, does it... The running costs of these places are quite expensive. I don't think I'd want to live in one. Um, but still, get into the questions, ask, get into the comments, ask us your questions, and we'll try and wrap up a bit at the end. Now, first off, there is some good news in the world, uh, and here we found it for you. Here it is. Right, now, in the pandemic, staycations became very much the thing, and camping equipment in particular became about as pricey as a full tank of gas. Uh, it costs as much to go camping now as it does for about a fortnight in the Algarve, Kevin, including planes and upgrades and everything else. But it all worked out very well for four mates who pitched a tent in, Wilt in a field in Wiltshire and then next morning found a hoard of Roman coins just six foot from their tent flap and they're now going to make £40,000 profit on the trip. Amazing. Kevin, do you think this means that Boris's next piece of brilliant advice will be for all of us to get invest in metal detecting equipment so we can pay our fuel bills? <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe, maybe you could uh, suggest Elsie gets one, spends a <laughs> pension uh, on it instead of getting on a bus. Get on your bike, pet. Get out there. You start metal detecting. You can stay warm in a tent and a sleeping bag, Elsie. Maybe he's going to take that line. I mean, I'll say good luck to, uh, who is it? Uh, let's have a look at the lads. Uh, Robert, Dave and Mick, you know, got a nice little windfall. That should be about 13 grand uh, each. I don't know if it's uh, taxable or tax-free, but uh, good luck. But who goes camping with a metal detector? I often go camping. I think, oh, I'll take a school. Well, the do. <laughs> yeah, I well, maybe we'll all have to start. Maybe that's it. Maybe you're quite right. You could, uh, you know, buy, buy a metal detector and win a year's uh, energy bill money or something. You know, do it that way. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, thank you, Kevin. Thank you, everyone, for taking part. Uh, I don't think we've got any questions to wrap with. So uh, we'll have to say goodbye for now. But just before you go, oh, Jean says, hang on. Jean says, why don't they open Buckingham Palace for the refugees? Uh, the last word there in your sentence gene is why they don't open it up it's because it's refugees but of course if they were royal refugees like prince philip was right <laughs> in greece he could come in not a bother but you know just your average pleb from the basement of a steelworks has been bombed to hell in mariupol no no you need a visa chum you can't come in sorry so we'll have to wait and see maybe if they had some marriageable princesses left they'd let some foreign princes in David says, what happened to Boris flipping into Latin to get out of an awkward question? I do miss them. I know. Um, I can't really remember much Latin apart from the root bits, so I better not quote any here. But I think I'll just say before we go, Kevin, for those of you wondering, in the 32 minutes that we've been on air, BP has made £1.2 million profit. <laughs> so you should all be really glad that uh, the government says that's absolutely fine and there's no need to tax it any further. Thank you for joining us, Kevin. Thank you, everyone, for taking part. We'll see you again next Monday for another edition of the News Agenda when um, the Fox's Den will have a puppy in it. So fingers crossed we get through it in one piece. See you all next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>